If you would at this time take your Bible and turn to Mark, Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter 14. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, Mark chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 26 through verse 31. Just a few short verses here. Uh, Mark 14, verses 26 through verse number 31. The Word of God says this, And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather together and for the purpose of praising you, purpose of fellowshipping, purpose of giving and singing. But Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word, the Holy Scriptures, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn the lessons that you have for us today. And uh, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be good hearers, then more importantly, help us to be good doers of what we hear. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Title of the message uh, this morning is Never Say Never. Last Sunday, we saw each of the disciples, remember when Jesus uh, predicted his betrayal, that someone was going to betray him who was sitting there in that upper room, and each of the disciples humbly asking if it was them who would betray the Lord. Is it I? Is it I? We also saw the pieces of communion, the fact that there was the bread which represented the body of Jesus Christ that would be broken for all of us on the cross of Calvary, and then the cup which represented the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross uh, just a few hours later. And then we uh, saw also the, uh, the pattern of thanksgiving and how Jesus was the pattern of thanksgiving as he took time to give thanks right before he broke the bread, right before he passed the cup, which shows us that we ought to give thanks when things are going well and when things are not. He was the ultimate pattern of thanksgiving. Well, then he leads them in a hymn, and then uh, verse number 26 tells us, after they had sung in hymn, uh, Jesus then uh, takes them out into the Mount of Olives. And there, in the Mount of Olives, we have three promises that were given that we want to look at this morning. Three promises given that teach us some valuable lessons. Now, what were these promises given here in the Mount of Olives? Well, first we have the promise of rejection. The promise of rejection. In verse number 27, Jesus calls a timeout as he's um, perhaps on the way to Mount Olives or as he gets up there. And he says, all shall be offended because of me this night. 
And so again, uh, the Lord, you know, it was, a, it was a nice time they had together, an intimate time, and, 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 and the Lord seems to kind of kill the mood here by, by announcing once again that there's going to be those who would be offended uh, before, uh, be, because of Christ. And uh, he continues that thought. Uh, after Peter re rebukes him and, and, and corrects him in verse number 29, or tries to correct him. And, and, and verse 30, he says, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now, in, in, in verse number 27, uh, he, he also references back to a prophecy in the book of Zechariah. Um, and he says, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And that, again, is a fulfillment of Zechariah 13 and verse number 7, where the Bible says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones." So what was about to happen was because it was going to be a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, one thing I want to point out here in verse number 27, Jesus saith unto them. So as he was looking at his disciples, he was saying to each and every one of them, and then he says, all ye shall be offended. And ye um, is a precise word that means you plural. Um, it's kind of like the Oklahoma version of y'all, okay? And, and most of us know what that means. It means all y'all. And uh, all y'all, all, there, there's different ways to say y'all, I found out when I got here. I was like, okay, I got to learn how to say y'all. Then I realized there's different ways to say y'all. All y'all, y'all. And uh, it, it's just y'alls. And... Uh, <laughs> All, all kinds of ways to say it, and, and I'm still learning. Uh, but, but here, when, he, when Jesus says, all ye shall be offended, he's pointing to everyone there in that group, and he says, all of you are going to be offended. And then it's interesting how uh, when Peter pipes up in verse 29 and says, hey, everybody else might be offended, but, but I'm not going to be. And then in verse 30, Jesus saith unto him, verily I say unto thee, Unto thee. And I like the precision of the King James because um, in, in other versions it just says you, you. Um, and, and, I, and I know from the context you can kind of figure out who he's talking to. But, but here in the King James it's very clear, um, precise on who he's referring to. He's referring to all of them in the first part. And in the second part as he talks to Peter, he's just talking to Peter here. It's very precise and I appreciate that. So there was a promise of rejection. By the way, when Jesus makes a promise, Jesus keeps his promise. Uh, there's still a billboard somewhere uh, down I-35 south, and it's uh, from <laughs> President Donald Trump back uh, when he was running in, in uh, 2020. Uh, and it, it said, promises made, or promises made, promises kept. And I thought, oh, that's a good, that, that's a good, a slogan. Well, no one really ever kept promises like the Lord Jesus kept promises. I mean, every promise he has ever made has either already come to pass or will come to pass. You can mark it down. 
And uh, the promise of rejection here was one such promise. Uh, we know later uh, that all the disciples did indeed uh, forsake him, and, and there was no one there. And, and finally, John uh, was one who was there at the cross, but everybody else had bailed on the Lord Jesus. So uh, the promise of rejection. But there's a second promise that I want us to see here. There was a promise of resolve. There was a promise of resolve. In verse 29, here's that promise. See, the promise of rejection was made by the Lord Jesus, but the promise of resolve was made by Peter here. And then we're going to find that it was made by everybody else. In verse 29, Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Peter said, Okay, sure, maybe everybody else will be offended, but it's not going to happen to me. Like, my loyalty to you, my allegiance to you, Lord Jesus, is sure, you can count on it. I'm dependable. I'm not going to bail on you. And, you know, at first glance, this may seem, you know, like, good job, Peter. And maybe Peter thought he was going to get a gold star for the day or a pat on the back by Jesus saying, okay, good, I was just, this was a test, and you passed the test. No, that wasn't the case. It reminds me of uh, a story I read about um, this young man. Um, his name was, uh, well, I don't know what his name is, or Nick is his name. Uh, but uh, after two weeks of uh, pre-kindergarten, um, her, well, Linda Wilbanks, her five-year-old grandson, came home with a mighty big compliment. See, you, you see, Nick, uh, the grandson, told his grandma that he was the smartest kid in the class. And with a deep sense of pride, Linda asked him if that's what his teacher said. And Nick replied, no, ma'am, I had to tell her. <laughs> See, that's Peter here. Okay, He's like, you know what? I don't mind uh, telling you, Lord, that I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to bail on you. I'm going to stay with you. And not only did he uh, give this promise of resolve here, but he emphasized this promise. In verse number 30, Jesus says, okay, well, let me explain something to you, what's going to actually happen, uh, Peter. So Peter, or Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you, which means, like, I'm not kidding around, this is going to happen. And he said, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And that was not enough to quiet down Peter. I mean, this just emboldened in him. And, and, and he, it says here in verse 31, he spake the more vehemently. Now, the word vehemently means, um, the Greek word that's translated vehemently means superabundant, excessive, violently, exceeding, abundantly above, more abundantly, exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more earnest, more confidently. And the word vehement means urgently, forcibly. So when, when Jesus said, hey, um, I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to happen today, even tonight. Before you hear that rooster crow twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter did not say, no, it's not going to happen. It said the more vehemently. He was no doubt animated and, and probably gesturing and, and, and yelling, and if I should die with thee, I will, not, I will not deny thee in any wise. 
But he, there was a passion here. It was like, no, it's not going to happen. And he got pretty cocky. We were just a few weeks ago after a Sunday night service here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. We had uh, a volleyball uh, time, fellowship. And uh, we were playing, and I was on a team, and Brother Blake assigned me to a team, and it was not the same team as, um, as, as Luke was on, my son Luke. But the first game I think we played, we played against Luke's team, and they had played two games already, and they were undefeated. And guess who was Mr. Cocky? Oh, yes, my son Luke. He's like, how many games have you won? I'm like, uh, well, I, none. Well, we're undefeated, and we've played two games, so you're going down. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll see. Well, guess who did not win that game? Their team. Oh, yeah. That was wonderful. We need to do another volleyball night again. <laughs> see, look, Peter had that cocky spirit. He went to the Lord and said, look, I'm not going to deny you. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. I'm definitely not going to deny you. He had a cocky spirit. And be careful, brothers and sisters in the Lord, of having a cocky demeanor, especially when it comes to thinking that you would never forsake the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 is a verse that I mentioned last week. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, you better take heed, lest you fall. Peter says, Nope, not going to happen. It might happen to everybody else, but see, I'm different. I'm the exception to this warning. Look, when it comes to marriage, it is always a good idea to never say the words always and never. <laughs> you know, in marriage, sometimes it's like, well, you always are doing this, or you never do what I want you to do. Very dangerous. Best to strike those words from your marriage vocabulary and also from your Christian life, especially when it comes to declaring your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm always going to be faithful to you. I'm never going to forsake you. That was what Peter said, and boy, insert foot, open mouth and insert foot is what he did. See, the disciples, and, and by the way, also you and I would do well to go back to the upper room and have the mentality that they had in verse number 19, if you want to look there. Remember last week, when they began to be sorrowful after Jesus announces that one of them would betray him. They begin to be sorrowful and say unto him one by one, Is it I? Is it I? In other words, admitting that I am capable of betraying you. They were in a good place spiritually at that point, but now all of a sudden they began to get lifted up in spiritual pride thinking that they would never forsake the Lord. And they had the attitude of verse 29, yet will not I. Nope, not going to happen. I'm going to be faithful. Careful. By the way, it wasn't just Peter. 
And while Peter does get a bad rap here, he was the spokesperson, but, but he wasn't the only one who said this. Uh, look in verse number 31. He spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. And notice the end of this verse. Likewise also said they all. Every one of them is like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'd be willing to go to prison for you, Lord. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to forsake you. They all said it. But let me help these disciples out a little bit, and, and maybe you can help me help them. Okay, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the other disciples, who no one can remember all of their names. <laughs> um, how many times was Jesus wrong? A big fat zero. Somehow, Peter and the disciples all thought that he was wrong about this one. My friend, there was absolutely zero chance of him being wrong. He was always right and was true to his word. And by the way, always will be right and always be true to his word. Titus 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 6 and verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Okay, so what happened to these disciples? Instead of trusting the word of God, they trusted in their own strength. Instead of trusting in the Word of God, they trusted in their own strength. Instead of trusting in the Lord with all their heart, they leaned unto their own understanding. And that's always a mistake. We need to remember to live in humility because pride always takes us down. Proverbs 16 and verse number 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, verse 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs eleven two: When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So when you see somebody lifted up in pride like Peter and the disciples, guess what's coming? Shame is following right behind. And when you and I, we're, we start getting puffed up in pride, guess what's coming right behind us? Shame. Perhaps in that moment, their minds forgot the truth declared in Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. They forgot that their heart was desperately wicked. They, they forgot the fact that every one of us is capable of committing tremendous atrocities against God. Yes, even blood-bought sinners. And they, they, they thought, well, hey, look, I've been, I've been with you. I, I've seen you. I've, I've walked and talked with you for all this time. There's no way I would ever forsake you. Well, let's do the math here real quick. Somebody help me with the math. In verse 31, Peter says, The more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not, not deny thee in any wise. If you fast forward in the same chapter to verse number uh, 60, 68, but he denied. 68 minus 31 is 37. 37 verses is all it took for Peter to start denying the Lord. And, and, and he was like adamant about this. 
Like, no way am I going to forsake you. 37 verses later, I deny I know him. That didn't take that long, Peter. Wow. Read about, uh, or Dave McPherson tells about a U.S. Air Force transport plane with its captain and five crew members that was flying over Alaska in the mid-1950s. And they encountered an unusually fierce snowstorm. The navigator contacted an airbase, only to be told that he had veered several hundred miles off of his course. And so the airbase air sent correct coordinates, uh, concordant, um, coordinates, I can't even say it now, were given to the navigator who continued to insist that his own calculations could not be that far off and went with his own calculations. Well, sadly, the plane started to run out of fuel. And the six men on board decided to abandon the plane and parachute to safety. But because of the minus 70 degree Fahrenheit temperatures and winds that gusted to 50 miles per hour, they were all completely frozen within, 50, within minutes of hitting the ground. As a result of the navigator's pride, five other people went to their deaths. Proverbs 12 and verse 15 tells us, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is, it is, is wise. Now, Peter should have listened to the counsel of Jesus Christ, but instead he completely disagreed with Jesus and argued with him. How foolish it is to argue with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet Peter did. And yet believers do. And I've done it too. I know your word says this, but <laughs> I'm different. I'm an exception. It doesn't apply to me. Oh, yes, it does. Well, Peter would, if you fast forward quite a bit of time in Peter's life, one day he would write the books of First and Second Peter. After gaining a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom and understanding. Here's what he would write in 1 Peter 5.5. 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud. He giveth grace unto the humble. Can't help but think that Peter's mind went back to this passage that we're studying this morning. Thought, should have been humble enough to recognize that what he said was right and what I say was wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. Should have listened. But I was too lifted up in my, proud, my pride, and as a result, God resisted me, and, uh, and I was brought low. See, God is looking for those who are humble today. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On their shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shining and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. 
Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood. Polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud. Not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. What kind of vessel are you? The Lord's looking for those who are humble. He's not looking for the most talented. He's not one looking for the best looking or the most experienced. He's looking for someone who has humility uh, before the Lord and before others. There was a promise of resolve, but this led to spiritual destruction. I want us to see thirdly, though, there's one more promise in this passage, the promise of resurrection. I skipped over this one a little bit because Peter completely skipped over this one. Notice in verse 28, Jesus said, But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. It's almost as if, and then, and then verse 29, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. It's almost as Peter totally missed verse 28. I mean, he wasn't listening. He heard uh, the Lord Jesus say that all would be offended, and that caught his attention. And it was kind of like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher. After that. But what Jesus said after that was an amazing promise. After that, I am risen. I will go before you into Galilee. Peter's ears completely turned off, and once he processed it, he interpreted the Savior as if he was giving important instruction, or he interrupted the Savior as he was giving important instruction. Now, I, I, I kind of want to, as I was listening to this and reading through this, I kind of wanted to pause the scene here and say to Peter um, in verse 29, but Peter said unto him, although all, and I, I kind of want to say, whoa, 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 before you continue, did you just hear what Jesus just said? He said, after that I am risen. Did you, did, did you catch that, Peter? Well, you know, but he said all should be offended, and I'm not going to offend him. I'm not going to be offended. It ain't going to happen to me. 
I mean, this is a big deal for him to just simply say, after that I am risen. Like, if I were one of the disciples, knowing what I know now, <laughs> I probably would have been the one that, in verse 31, likewise also that said they all. That probably would have been me too, if I'm being honest. But in my spirit, I want to go at this point and stop the scene and say, okay, whoa, 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 Jesus, you just said after that you're risen. I, I know you've talked about this before, but can you explain this a little bit more? Can you, you mind elaborating a little bit more on this after that you were risen thing? Would you, would you mind explaining this resurrection thing? Because I want to understand it. Had they done that, that would have probably saved him a lot of discouragement, a lot of fear, a lot of worry in those three days before Jesus did rise from the grave. But instead, it was kind of like noise-canceling earbuds they had in their ears. After they heard Jesus said, all shall be offended, that's the only thing they could focus on. But Jesus said something far more important than the fact that all would be offended. He mentioned the fact that he was going to rise from the grave. See, several times throughout the ministry of Christ, he predicted his resurrection and taught his disciples about this special, wonderful fact. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, as we go through the book of Mark, we've seen this several times, that he's said that he was going to rise again. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders, and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. So they, he began to teach them in Mark chapter 8. And he continues this conversation, and, and, or this thought in Mark chapter 9 and verse 9. And they came down from the mount. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. And he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. So Peter, James, and John, they got to go up there and experience that and see that. And, and they got to hear the fact that they're supposed to kind of keep it under wraps and not kind of let this be a low-profile thing. Let's not go and broadcast it and announce it until after I'm risen from the dead. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the Son of Man. They shall kill him after he is killed. He shall rise the third day. Mark 10.34, another instance, they shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, shall kill him. The third day he shall rise again. So this is not the first time he said this, but they, I think, should have stopped there. At least I would have liked them to and said, hey, can you talk about this a little bit more? And, and really, that's what they needed to hear. Not so much the fact that um, they needed to go and broadcast how faithful they were going to be when they weren't going to be. Um, this was an opportunity to hear a little bit more about it, and in my mind, they skipped it. Now, somehow, though, this promise, special promise fell on deaf ears, at least at this point. They remembered it after the resurrection happened, but again, it would have saved them three days of fear and discouragement had they taken a moment to consider what Jesus said here. Really, instead of being sensitive to this special promise, they were more concerned with themselves. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you're insinuating that I'm going to be unfaithful? And they all got defensive. So, as we consider these promises, just a, a few takeaways for us real quickly uh, this morning. First of all, take God at His word. The two promises Jesus made 
were fulfilled. Okay, I don't really need to go into Mark chapter 16 and show you the fact that Jesus rose again. We all know Jesus rose again the third day. And, and, and the promise regarding the rejection of, of the disciples, all of them did, did walk away from the Lord for a time. Um, verse number, if you look at verse number uh, 50 of, of Mark 14, it says, And they all forsook him and fled. That's the fulfillment of that, pro- that promise. But the promise that of resolve, the promise of men, completely did not get kept. And none of them kept it. They said they were going to be faithful. They said they were going to stay uh, loyal to him. Well, what happened in verse 50? They all forsook and fled. So here's the deal. While uh, the promises of men may fail, the promises of God are sure, and you can trust them. So for us, as we consider some of the promises that God has for us, you can trust these promises. What are some of the promises that God has for believers uh, today? God has uh, given us the promise of His presence. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee. Now, God can say never, but you and I should never say never. God's allowed to say it because He has the power to keep His word. You and I don't. When He says, I will never leave thee, He promises to stay with us through thick and thin. And when the kitchen gets hot... He doesn't bail. He's with you today. God's presence, God's protection. God told Abraham, I am thy shield in Genesis 15.1. He does promise to protect us. God's power, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. God's provision, I will help thee. God's leading, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. God does promise to lead us and to guide us. God's purposes, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. God has purposes for us. God's rest uh, is a promise that he has for us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. God does promise to do that. And again, God keeps his promises. God's cleansing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's goodness, no good thing will he, will, will he withhold from them that work uprightly, Psalm 84, 11. God's faithfulness, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, 1 Samuel 12, 22. God's guidance, the meek will he guide, Psalm 25 and verse 9. God's wise plan, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. These are the promises of God that you can bank on. Promises of politicians, (laughs) we all know that's laughable. The promises of people, family members, I hope they mean them, but you never quite know for sure. But when God makes a promise, you can know for sure that he's going to keep his promises. So take God at his word. Next, don't think that you are the exception to the instructions and warnings of the Scriptures. Peter thought, okay, yeah, 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 you must mean everybody else. No, Peter, specifically I'm talking about you. Because this night I say unto thee, Peter, this night, today, 
cock's going to crow twice, and you're going to deny me three times. It's happening. Verily I say unto thee. Don't think that you, you are an exception to uh, the warnings and the instructions of Scripture. It applies to you too. Sir, ma'am, well, I've been saved for a long time, so it doesn't apply to me anymore. Mm, yes, it does. Teenager, well, I'm the pastor of the church. It doesn't apply to me. Uh, Eric, you better be careful. Deacon, Sunday school teacher, visitor, it doesn't matter. The warnings and the instruction of Scripture are for all of us. And none of us are an exception to them. Don't pull a Peter and say, well, yeah, that might be true for everybody else, but for me, it ain't going to happen. Mm. A third lesson here, trust God, not your strength. Peter was looking within. I'm not going to deny you, yet will not I. I will not deny thee in any wise. Oh, really? Again, 37 verses later. We need to be reminded of Proverbs 3 and verse number 5, where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. And the next verse says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Have a healthy humility. And by the way, when there is real humility in our lives, it is healthy for us. When we're not wise in our own eyes, when we fear the Lord, depart from evil, the Bible says it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. There's a physical connection. It blesses us physically when we have a healthy humility in our lives. I, I'll, I'll share this quick story. I've shared it before, but um, it's been a while. This is back when we were in California, and I was on staff. On, on, on Wednesday afternoons, we did staff door knocking. And we went up to Tustin, which was, um, we lived in Orange. And so Tustin was right next to Orange. And uh, I, I thought, well, I'll have my wife come. She, she wasn't on staff. She was at stay-at-home at mom. I said, I thought, well, maybe it'd be nice if she just came and picked me up in Tustin right there, and then we can kind of do dinner before we go to church. And so I called my wife, and I said, okay, yeah, we got off on uh, 4th Street. And uh, so you go down 4th Street, and then it's like the first left, and we're kind of in that na na neighborhood there. And so she's driving around trying to find me, and I'm looking for her. And I'm like, where's my, where's my wife? Like, I gave her simple directions. Like, what a women, you know? Just give them simple directions, and they can't seem to follow it. I mean, come on. How hard can this be? It's 4th Street. Hello? And I'm driving around, and I finally call her. I'm like, Julie, where are you? She's like, Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm driving around. I'm looking for you. I'm, I got off of 4th Street, and I'm, I took the first left. I'm, I'm driving around. I'm like, no, you didn't. I'm, looking, I'm right here. I'm looking for you, and you're not right where I'm saying you're should, you should be. She's like, Eric, I'm pretty sure I am. 
she had a good spirit about it, and I did not have a good spirit about it. And I'm like, well, let me just go to this street and just make sure. And I'm looking, I'm like, 17th Street. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I guess we went up another street. I thought we got off at 4th, but we actually got off at 17th. So, would you mind coming up to 17th Street and picking me up, please, honey? She's like, sure. <laughs> thing is, is I was leaning into my own understanding and that's not always a good idea because I don't know about you but I've been wrong before I think that was the only time I've been wrong but uh, <laughs> like we all know we're, we're, we're frail we can't rely upon ourselves but we can rely upon him so trust God not your strength and last one, thank God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And remember that that's not the only promise that he made regarding what was, his, what was to be his future. He said he was going to rise again, but later also in another place, he said he was coming back for us. So he fulfilled the resurrection promise, but he's yet to fulfill the return promise, but that promise is going to be fulfilled. And so with that, may that promise of his return motivate all of us to continue to serve the Lord faithfully in the here and now, to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Stay faithful. Let's continue to serve the Lord. That's our church theme for this year. Let's not forget it just because we're coming to the end of the year. Let's let that promise of his return cause us to keep serving the Lord in the here and now. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. And Lord, I want to be careful not to look down too much at Peter, because Lord, I've been in his shoes at times. Lord, I've thought that I wasn't going to bail on you, and I did. There's been so many times where I've knelt at an altar and spent time in prayer saying, I'm not going to do that sin anymore, and then I pick it back up again. And Lord, I, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to trust you, not our own strength. God, thank you for this, uh, the lessons that we can learn here about the fact that when you give a promise, you keep your promises. Lord, we thank you for even the example of Peter who later learned to humble himself. Help us, Lord, to learn from his example, to make sure that we're not being lifted up in pride because you are looking for those who are humble to use for your glory. Because the proud, they want to take too much credit. But the humble recognize that it is you who does it through them. And so, Lord, help us to maintain a right perspective of who we are in your eyes. Lord, I pray you'd help us to trust you and not our own strength. And Lord, thank you for fulfilling the great promise on the resurrection after that I am risen. Lord, we're thankful that after a few days, after three days, you were alive again. And Lord, you've given another promise that you would return for us. And Lord, we don't know when that is going to be, but Lord, help us to be ready and be faithful serving you until that day comes.